0: Another week, another edition of Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and welcome to your Information Hours. We have it all for you, and we're going to start off by moving right on over to Susan Littlefield, who heads up the Ag Team, and on a Monday, what's cooking, Susan? Well, the sun is out, the
1: snow is melting, and I heard rumors that we're
0: going to see a warm up in the temperatures. All right. <laughs> what went on over the weekend? Anything you can tell us about?
2: Cast is off my hands
0: oh yes okay so uh, the, that's come along all right then do you have to put another one back on
1: um i'll find out in a week if they have to do surgery but no cast right now and i'm in a splint, so I'll take that.
0: outstanding <laughs> all right well she, she's been hobbled up as you know and uh, I, I don't know would you call that a tie you had with that steer
1: yeah it was a little entanglement i had with a steer
0: <laughs> all right well if you think this isn't a true farm girl you would be wrong uh <laughs> susan littlefield what do we have from the team today
1: well, pretty
3: exciting. We've got a guest that's
0: actually coming in Susan, we're having just a Dickens of a time hearing you today on this line. So let's try just one more time. Yeah, I think that's not going to work out. I think we uh, we lost Susan. So let's move Susan. on over. Move on. Move on over to uh, sports, where uh, the uh, intrepid Jason Jorgensen is back from a trip to Oklahoma. I'm
4: glad to be back. So a little icy down there this yes, uh, it got that weekend, way, didn't it? Hey, coming up in Sports, we'll Talk, Nebraska women's basketball. Lady Huskers with a defensive win yesterday, knocking off Wisconsin, winning that one 51-48. They continue to play very well. That victory has them tied for second place in the league standings with Ohio State. If you'd have told anyone that before the year, they might not have believed you or said, hey, they'll be pretty happy with that. Yeah. Get the thoughts of Coach Williams about that. Also, we are inching closer and closer to the big dance. Eventually, March Madness will be here. And the NCAA, they released their preliminary top four seeds, the way it kind of looks right now. We'll let you know uh, who will be there. There is also a new number one team in the land. There were some upsets over the weekend. Virginia. For the first time since the days of Ralph Sampson. Oh, my heavens. That goes back a ways. They are the number one team in the country. Husker men continue to win to help their cause. They have a big game coming up tomorrow night against Maryland. And also we'll talk some MIAA wrestling for a six straight year. The UNK men, they are MIAA champs. They got that done yesterday in Wichita, winning that tournament. Rather easily. I'll tell you what—that is a, a heck of a tradition and a heck of a team. And once they moved on into the miaa they just kind of elbowed everybody else out of the way <laughs> and kind of taken over a little bit. Yep. All right, over to Bob Brogan we go. With U.S. St-
5: U.S. stocks are posting solid gains in midday trading as the market recovers from its worst week in two years. So the stocks are kind of clawing back right now. Meanwhile, President Donald Trump urging Congress to pass what he's calling the biggest and boldest infrastructure plan. Governors and also other local and state officials are in the nation's capital, including Governor Pete Ricketts, to uh, meet at the White House. And they're discussing this infrastructure plan. So those are
0: two of the big things that are happening today. All of this and much more coming your way on Midday. Time to check in for our Ag Weather, which is brought to you this hour by Coolman Repair. And here is Paul Perkins. Very chilly out there right now. And it's going to stay chilly here for, uh, well, I guess we get a little warm-up for tomorrow.
5: Yeah, it
6: looks like tomorrow is going to be a lot like what we saw yesterday, where we saw that nice warm-up and the sunshine come out and just really (laughs) make a world of difference. And then cold again. Yeah. And then slightly warmer. (laughs) yeah and then slightly colder yeah the up and down will continue okay <laughs> we've got all the up and down details we here. want
0: it to be on the up and up paul when do you give us that when um, sir do you give us that
6: i can usually promise that by may <laughs> all
0: right let's uh see what we've got in store for today with paul
6: right now we do have wind chills in much of nebraska just below zero about zero to five below in many locations the teens Uh, Low teens for wind chills right now over northern Kansas and northeast Colorado. That cold Arctic air making its way into the region and also switching those winds around to the east. Actual air temperatures in much of Nebraska in the low half of the teens were in the low and mid-20s, though, as you head towards northern Kansas on into northeast Colorado, even some upper 20s as you head towards northwest Kansas. Temperatures today more than 20 degrees colder for most of us than normal as an arctic front settles to the south. Usually we're in the low 40s for highs this time of year. Light snow and flurries are possible later this afternoon, but just minimal totals expected. Not seeing anything on the radar screen right now. That front that brought the cold air for today will start to nudge back to the north overnight, and temperatures by morning could start to become uh, steady or even rise towards morning temperatures milder tomorrow but still cooler than normal as that warm front lifts farther north but it looks like tomorrow will be a lot like what we saw yesterday westerly winds off high pressure to our southwest on wednesday though resulting in a major meltdown of the snow as we see temperatures on wednesday really warm up into the 40s and 50s but that's usually short-lived, and that will be once again the case this time around. Temperatures cool down for Thursday and Friday. Another cold front moves through, but temperatures not going to drop off a whole lot with that front. Snow or rain is possible for Thursday and just slight amounts expected. Temperatures over the weekend warm to slightly above normal. Then another shot of Arctic air will head south for Monday, and temperatures will once again cool down to daytime highs in the 20s. And it looks like next week below normal streak of temperatures could last for most of the week. In the long-term forecast, it's likely temperatures mostly colder than normal for both Nebraska and Kansas this weekend through the February 25th daytime. Daytime highs in central Nebraska in the mid to late part of February are usually in the low half of the 40s with average lows around 20. So it should be warmer if you're thinking that. The early part of the long-term forecast starts drier than normal this weekend and early next week in Nebraska and Kansas. Then that outlook expects above-normal precipitation the middle of next week through the 25th. Weather factors driving market trade include the very little weekend rain in Argentina and only light moisture expected in the southern plains. In the U.S., a series of fast-moving disturbances will produce generally light precipitation in a wide variety of regions. The most beneficial rain expected to occur in drought-affected areas of the southwest. Late in the week, warm, dry weather will return across the west, and much warmer weather will arrived by midweek across the plains and midwest. After that, a strong cold front sweeping into the central U.S. Some late-week rain could become heavy in and around the Ohio Valley. Substantial snow cover helping to insulate the winter wheat crops across the northern plains, but worsening drought continues to grip the southern plains wheat areas. No significant precipitation is indicated in the southern plains this next week. There is a slight chance of rain next week, but nothing that will ease the drought significantly. Limited rain fell in central Argentina this past weekend. Additional crop loss is expected, especially in soybeans, and the weather will turn hot late this week after some moderation in the next few days. And scattered thunderstorms in southern Brazil this past weekend provided favorable moisture. Some areas, though, only had light rain and need more rain. Rain continues to disrupt some of the soybean harvest in central Brazil, but that rain helping with favorable moisture for planting the second crop of corn.
0: Ag weather brought to you by Coolman Repair. So here we go. have just got another week that looks a lot like last week and all the weeks previous.
6: Probably this weekend, this week, probably not going to be as cold as what we saw last week, but definitely those uh, cooler-than-normal temperatures. Probably just not as cool as what we saw last week. So that will be the plus side as we head towards the end of the week here. But some nice spreads on our temperatures as we head towards Wednesday. All right. Well,
0: I'd like to see it stick. That's all. <laughs> and I can't hardly believe that the normals for February 12th are up in the 40s for daytime
6: highs. Yeah, you would think uh, after what we've been seeing here, yeah. uh, it would be colder. But actually, yeah, it should be much warmer than what it is right now. All right. There's
0: your ag weather when you need weather any time. dot
5: There's success and succession with the recent trade disputes with China on ag imports. Livestock producers look to lock horns with Silicon Valley on laboratory-generated meat. And beef checkoff dollars look to put beef into a new kind of restaurant. That's all ahead on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Last week, China launched an anti-dumping and anti-subsidy investigation in imports of sorghum from the U.S. The investigation was launched after U.S. placed steep tariffs on imports of solar panels and washing machines under the direction of President Trump now bloomberg news via chinese commerce spokesperson is confirming a session dubbed as a symposium was held in china with export and import companies the discussions included agriculture commodity companies that export sorghum and soybeans the chinese commerce spokesperson did reveal the relevant ag product companies did mention the trade of agriculture products between china and the u.s in particular some production oriented enterprises expressed concerns about the impact on imported agriculture products the chinese spokesperson spokesperson went on to deny the recent investigation of sorghum and the discussion of soybeans as for the reason this symposium was held between the ag import and export companies while sorghum and soybean exports to china look to take a hit chinese corn imports from the u.s. are expected to be higher this season due to a rising pig population and their large appetite the USDA now expects China to import 1.5 million tons of corn, 25% more than previously forecast in the latest WASDE report, but it still sees the average wholesale price for corn staying between $254 to $270 per metric ton. While the report shows that Chinese import prices will stay relatively normal on that side, corn producers in the U.S. still could possibly see a small rise in corn prices if the Chinese import enough to start eating up on the large U.S. stockpile of corn. Ranchers and other livestock producers are locking horns with Silicon Valley. The U.S. Cattlemen's Association wants the USDA's food safety service to restrict makers of plant-based or lab-grown meats from labeling their products as beef. The petition comes after a number of high-profile investments by the likes of Tyson and Cargill in startups working to develop alternatives to traditional slaughter-based meat. U.S. Cattlemen's Association President Kenny Grainer said, Our members brought forth their concern with the labeling of products as meat that are not in fact derived from bovine animals. Labels must clearly distinguish that difference. Beef isn't the only animal product whose definition is in contention. Food producers have recently wrangled over the meaning of everything from milk to eggs ending my broadcast today on a positive note, cattle producers' beef checkoff dollars have helped to create a new culinary concept called beef she. It 's a beef twist on traditional sushi that was unveiled today by the North American Meat Institute. Beef she was developed by a culinary Institute of America trained chef and integrates prepared beef favorites like pastrami, corned beef, jerky, beef hot dogs, and beef bologna into traditional sushi-style rolls that taste as delicious as they look. Eight engaging videos shot in a traditional sushi restaurant depict how to prepare each recipe and may be viewed on the new website for the dish, Beef She, that's beef with shi.com. To get the go-ahead on the research to develop beef sheet, the Chekhov conducted an online survey and found that American adults who eat meat and fish really do look forward to beef sheet and sushi. More than half, about 59%, found the concept of beef sheet very appealing. Here at the Rural Radio Network, I decided to survey the staff to see what they thought of beef sheet. Out of the 10 participants, 70% would like to try beef sheet, while 30% of our staff said they'd like to stick to traditional beef like steak. I'm Clay Patton. Keep a straight row and keep listening to the Rural Radio Network.
7: At the 2018 Healthy Farms Conference, I'm Bryce Duskett on the Rural Radio Network. We're talking with Crystal Powers about sustainable farming, and that has been a trend, and local buying local has been a trend over the last number of years now. And, Crystal, you and your family's operation has done this exact thing and are marketing some of your products here in Lincoln, Nebraska, or we're at, the Cornhouse Hotel. So tell us about your operation and how you all have gotten started.
2: So my husband, William, and I both grew up on farms. He grew up more on a dairy background, and I was here from here in Nebraska, and we had a lot of beef, and I had a lot of pastured poultry growing up. And so we decided uh, after college that we wanted to try to start this ourselves. So in 2010, we started Darby Springs Farm up near Suresco, And we're, we've are we had um, mostly poultry, dairy, and some beef, um And then just this last year, we built an on-farm creamery so that we had a place where we could milk the cows for grade-A milking as well as then make all sorts of wonderful dairy products. And the main thing that we started with was um, ice cream. And so we're taking our eggs and our milk and making us ice cream from scratch using and then adding in lots of Nebraska flavors.
7: In the marketplace, there is a supply and then a demand, so there has to be a demand in order to create the supply. So talk about that in the market that you 're selling to where do you think this demand comes from for people wanting these local products when you talk to them
2: so we 've had primarily two different groups we 've got the younger crowd that 's kind of like us with kids and they 're like we want to get the the best quality foods, lots of nutrients, um, and they want to connect with where their food comes from and they may not most of them aren 't from farm backgrounds. And they just really want to know where their food's coming from. And then probably the second group, which is almost as big, and it's been a little surprising to me, but maybe it shouldn't be, is the uh, older crowd who's like, this is how I remember food tasting. And so, like, our ice cream, we make a from-scratch homemade custard-type ice cream, and they're like, I haven't tasted this since I was a kid, and I we tell all these stories about hand-cranking ice cream. And I'm like, it's a really fun way for me to connect with our, because that's how I grew up. We had homemade ice cream. And so hearing those stories from people here in Nebraska, you know, because we have this ag tradition and we've been doing this for a long time. And being able to connect with those stories to me is a great way to bridge this younger group and the older group who have been doing it for a long time to just come together around food in Nebraska
7: So I want to get your outlook from your perspective, Crystal. Do you think this type of agriculture, the locally produced, replaces a lot of the practices that are currently happening or is supplemental and works together in that perspective?
2: I think it's something that comes and works together. I mean, I think there's always going to be a place for um, our really efficient, low-cost commodity products, which is what Nebraska is really great at. Um, But then there's so many of these things. Like I said, we're trying to highlight fruits and nuts, and we can grow these things here in Nebraska and bring more value um, with those higher-value products and create jobs for young people who want to get into farming. Um, And so I think there's ways that these things can come together. So we're taking, you know, more of a commodity egg and milk and adding value to it, bringing in, because we buy from all local other farmers for these fruits and nuts and veggies, and so creating opportunities for people to try something new, maybe diversify what they're doing. And so I think there's opportunities for us to work together to really kind of grow the opportunities here in Nebraska.
7: That was Crystal Powers. We're at the 2018 Healthy Farms Conference. I'm Bryce Duskett on the Rural Radio Network. You're
0: listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check in for sports with Jason Jorgensen.
4: Hey thanks, Dirk. Well, in a 40-minute defensive battle, the Nebraska women's basketball team found a way to shut down Wisconsin, winning yesterday afternoon 51 of 48. And you won this game with its defense, and head coach Amy Williams says that's a great sign. I think
2: that our team has really uh, tried to uh, take pride on the defensive end of the floor and really commit to um, becoming a little bit more confident and stingy with our defense. And um, so in that moment right there, I felt uh, like the girls were very motivated to want to come away with the stop.
4: Nebraska improves to 18-7 and seven overall. They are 9-3 and three in Big Ten action. That ties in with Ohio State for second place in the league standings. Freshman Kate Kane and Taylor Kissinger came up big again, combining for 25 points and 14 rebounds. Virginia is the top overall seed in the preliminary NCAA tournament rankings with Villanova, Xavier, and Purdue earning the other top seeds. Virginia rises to number one in the AP Top 25 for the first time in more than 35 years. Michigan State climbs to number two. The Cavs are certainly slotted as the South region's top seed in the rankings, which were released by the NCAA yesterday. Villanova is number one in the East. Xavier tops the Midwest region. And Purdue heads to the West region. Well, the Minnesota Timberwolves have recalled center Justin Patton from their NBA G League affiliate in Iowa. The move was made today. Patton has averaged 12 points, 5 rebounds, and almost a block and a half per game in 25 matchups for Iowa this year. That's after he was assigned there in late December. The 16th overall pick in the draft last year out of Creighton, Patton has yet to appear in an NBA game. The 12th-ranked UNK wrestling team placed nine in the finals and scored 110 points to easily win a 6th straight MIAA championship title yesterday in Wichita. Lopers also had won this year's regular season title. They were easily ahead of Fort Hay State and 10th-ranked Central Oklahoma. And Roy Halladay's number 32 will be retired by the Toronto Blue Jays before their season opener against the New York Yankees on March 29th. If you remember, Halliday died at the age of 40 back in November when the plane he was piloting crashed into the Gulf of Mexico. Toronto will wear a 32 patch on its uniforms this season. Roberto Alomar's number 12 is the only other player whose number was retired by that organization. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network.
8: There is a 20% chance of snow today after 3 p.m., cloudy with a high near 19. Tonight, a chance of flurries before midnight, otherwise mostly cloudy with a low of around 13. And then for your Tuesday, high near 34. From the KRVN News Center, I'm Scott Foster. A bill to set aside criminal records of human trafficking victims was heard in the Judiciary Committee on February 9th. LB-1132 was introduced by Lincoln Senator Patty Pansing Brooks. The bill would require victims to first prove they were a victim of trafficking. Victims would then have to prove the charges against them occurred while they were trafficked in order to have their record cleared. The criminal record would then be expunged, but law enforcement officials would still be able to see the past charges. No immediate action was taken on the bill. The medical condition of two people injured in a head-on crash Friday afternoon in the Nebraska Sandhills has improved. The crash investigated by the Thomas County Sheriff's Office involved a southbound Toyota RAV4 and a northbound Ford F-150 pickup. The pickup was trying to pass a semi-trailer at the time of the mishap near mile Marker 135 on Highway 83 in Thomas County near the Dismal River. The Nebraska State Patrol was summoned to provide mutual aid. The front seat passenger of the pickup, 60-year-old Charles Rich of North Platte, and the driver of the RAV4, 23-year-old Molly Finney of Seneca, are no longer listed in critical condition, but they remain at the Great Plains Health Center in North Platte. A Nebraska Department of Transportation snowplow operator observed the accident. At the time of the crash, the road was reportedly icy and snow-covered. In the semi, increased the blowing snow, which decreased the visibility. All occupants were wearing seatbelts. The downtowns in Cozad and Hastings have been nominated to be added to the National Registry of Historic Places. David Calise of the Nebraska State Historic Society will be conducting meetings about the nominations.
9: And at those meetings, basically, I'm going to be there to just explain the process and the benefits um, of the historic district and of the National Register to anyone who's interested, anyone who wants to attend. And, uh, you know, and really answer questions and, in some cases, calm people's fears. Uh, we talk to folks uh, every week who think that by listing a property in the National Register that somehow uh, property owners lose control of their property, which is uh, not true at
8: all. The meetings will be in Hastings on February 13th at 5.30 at the City Hall and on Thursday at 5.30 at the COSAD Development Corporation. Authorities say one inmate was sent off-site for medical treatment after inmates fought at the El Dorado Correctional Facility in Kansas. Cheryl Cadu, with the Kansas Department of Corrections, says the fight happened Friday and involved a physical altercation between two groups of inmates. Cadu says the injured inmate has since returned to the prison which is about 30 miles northeast of Wichita. Put our app on your phone and listen to podcasts and on-demand audio on your schedule. From the KRV and News Center, I'm Scott Foster.
10: Back on the Rural Radio Network as we get a review of the livestock futures trade with Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities. Joe?
9: Yeah, well, at least I can say today was a pretty much a positive day. Uh, got uh, sharply higher in uh, the cattle and the feeders and quite a few of the hawks. The only exception, the February hawks, which were finished uh, just 10 cents lower. But uh, triple digit gains, pretty predominant uh, through uh, the livestock today. Uh, Nice bounce back in the cattle. Uh, uh, Had a pretty good trade on Friday, 126 on average. Just a little bit greater than 126. And with the uh, February contract and the April contract being a pretty good discount, that really uh, prompted some pretty good buying, and particularly the April and uh, June contracts. The uh, February just a little bit higher, but uh, uh, just trying to even out and the cutouts. After being sharply lower on Friday, uh, bounced back uh, at noon today, so that helped uh, sustain the rally. Over in the and that uh, helped the feeders uh... also despite the fact that grains were uh, sharply higher in some instances uh... over in the hogs uh... cash appeared to be a little bit easier the cut the uh, index has been dropping but uh... the february goes off wednesday which puts the uh... uh april contract at a pretty good discount which it gained pretty much on the uh, rest of the contracts today trying to narrow that spread up so uh...
10: All in all, a pretty uh, good start to the week. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. You can call him at 800-328-0134. This is the Rural Radio Network.
7: Nebraska Soybean Board members and staff recently saw firsthand how soy grown in Nebraska contributes to seafood production worldwide. Good afternoon to you on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Bryce Ducey at reporting. The trip was part of the United States Soybean Export Council's aquaculture educational opportunity and took place in Mexico. Joining me now to discuss that is Ed Lammers. He's from Hardington, Nebraska and was part of the trip. Ed, to begin, let's hear about the trip and why it was important.
1: Nebraska soybean checkoff board uh, spends checkoff dollars on various projects, and one of them is in aquaculture. We see a very uh, good future for aquaculture. They're looking at a 4 to 8% growth annually. And with that growth, fish meal from the ocean is limited. I mean, it's, both, it's pretty much maxed out. So they have to come up with other feed use or feed stuff to accomplish, to accomplish that growth. So, uh, soybean meal is a very good uh, feed stuff for them. That was part of the uh, reason for the trip was to go down there and uh, see what our investment has, is doing and what the future kind of looks for it.
7: Talk about the specifics of the trip. Uh, how long was the trip, and, and did you stay in one area, or did you kind of tour around a little bit?
1: Yeah, we stayed right close there to Compeche. Um, so there's a, it was a full day of travel going down there. We were on three planes, and then a full day travel back. So we were there for three days. The first two days were meetings where we got, uh, received this information about where the industry is going, uh, where all over the world I mean from Egypt to Asia to Mexico to uh, the United States even um, where all the partners were at in their individual uh, sites as far as country wise so that was the education so there was two days of meetings and then we got some um, number information as far as the growth I mean million metric tons uh, projected million metric tons was a uh, quite astonishing. Uh, they're talking up to fifty million metric tons by twenty thirty. Well, you know, that's that's a lot of soybeans. But um hopefully we get there, but um time will sell. And then the last day we actually got to go out and travel uh, to two fish farms where we got to meet the the producer. And that was um that was really good because we get the understanding of their economics, the uh, the way they get to treat their fish if they become ill, um, and and the sustainability of their farming practice.
7: When we think of agriculture here in Nebraska, we don't often think of aquaculture. So tell tell me your reaction. I can kind of hear in your voice uh, maybe a little surprises along the way. What was your general reaction of going on the trip?
1: Well, um, you know, as as a farmer in in uh, my age group. It's always kind of, uh, we're always hoping for a little fast result, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and yet knowing that this educational process is, it takes a while. And, and change is always hard, no matter if you're a U.S. farmer or a Mexico farmer or a Nation farmer, you know, it just takes a while for this change. And so these race, pond raceways, uh, fish farms show a lot of promise and the economics are there. I'm really excited about it, and I think as a Nebraska soybean producer, we should all be.
7: That was Ed Lammers, a soybean producer near Hardington, Nebraska, discussing a recent trip he was part of with the Nebraska Soybean Board members and staff as they saw firsthand how soy grown in Nebraska contributes to seafood production worldwide. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskin.
10: Surge in the grain markets today. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. It appears soybean meal led uh, the way, in percentage-wise, I guess. And that really helps soybeans. With us, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Did Argentina have something to do with this?
3: Oh, yeah. This is all weather-driven here. Uh, Meal, obviously. Take a look at that chart. You'll see a gap open last night. Uh, close on its high, so it's hard to think that we're not going to see more up tomorrow. We actually had really good technical action in the in the beans as well, where we opened, gapped up, and then sold off, and then came right back higher and covered its chart gap. So, you know, the techs are going to be happy here seeing that. Seasonally, we're on the buy side of it, and now the weather is our friend. I, I mean, I, I'm not uh, can't guarantee anything, but I'd, I'd be hard pressed to think that we're not going to see 10, 20, 10, 30 in that uh, that November contract, and that's where rubber meets the road. There'll be a nice battle up there uh, for for kind of bulls and bears who's going to sell it. A lot of folks are going to point towards what hurt happened last year uh, as, as a reason to sell. The more seasoned guys I work with are going to point towards the rule of thumb that you never sell in February as, a, as a, an opportunity that will be you know, with us for a while. I, I kind of think that the latter is uh, where you want to lean here. I wouldn't be against marketing a little bit of soy. I mean, it's not, not certainly, uh, you know, a, a, an opportunity to manage some risk up here, buy some puts, or do something to get the floor in. But in, in the longer run, I tell you what, it's a. Um it's it's a real issue we're going to have here and and uh you know much like the wheat rally we saw last spring how much it come follows through will be you know the result of where we are you know six weeks from now but i think in the short term the fear is there somebody i think we think china is over overseas caught short uh with with meal and uh, this march delivery it looks to be exciting do
10: you like uh, the weight action today even though chicago gained on kansas city
3: yeah, and that's moving counter seasonal. So we we just typically a sell here uh, at this time of the year, and we're seeing some rally action. I'm, you know, wheat is a longer term story, and I know it's dry down south of you guys, and really, you know, everywhere west of the Mississippi River is experiencing droughts from here and there. But you know, we catch a change in forecast in March. It's really not, you know the. The end all be all at this point. Um, I think the, the bigger indicator for us is the feeder markets. I think you're seeing more cattle come off the, you know, the, the wheat pastures out in south of you guys. And, uh, that should be kind of an indicator for us. If if that would change in the coming reports, maybe that things aren't as bad. But for now, you know, wheat looks poised to trade at least at these levels for the short term. And I think corn, you know, we're chewing through 367. That's kind of the level with a massive amount of orders. We do that. I think we'll run pretty quickly up to 370, 372 where the next kind of round of resistance sits.
10: Thanks for the comments, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com.